welcome to episode number 58 of the Attractions Group Podcast. Alongside Ryan, sir, I'm Merely Don Helbig. Ryan, how you doing? Uh, I feel mighty compared to the Merely Don Helbig. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Got a trip planned this weekend for Labor Day, headed to Pittsburgh, Kennywood. It's been a minute since I've been there, so really looking forward to getting back there. Uh, three great wooden roller coasters that, uh, you know, I can't wait to get back on. So that's my Labor Day weekend. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the three-day weekend, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, checking out the fireworks or something. But if you want to have a great weekend, you can, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Uh, look for us on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever your pleasure, and search for us on YouTube by searching for The Attractions Group Podcast. Now, Don, I know we normally banter a lot, but I'm too excited about this guest today. What do we have going on? Well, we have one of the legends in the industry. And if heading into this podcast, you don't know the name, you certainly know his work. And I'm talking, of course, about Rick Bastrop. Rick, welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. So we should mention that uh, So Rick is a designer of theme parks and dark rides and everything of the sort. We'll get into that. But right off the bat, I want to mention that he has a book coming out in just a few days, like next week, I believe. Uh, the Adventures of a Theme Park Designer, which we'll, we're going to have a link in the description. But we're going to get into that. Rick, let's start from the beginning. How did you get involved in the industry? Well, you know, uh, my business partner and I got into the business kind of different than most people do. Most people in our business are guys who kind of hone their skills at Disney or Universal or maybe one of the big design companies. They turn around and, and, and form their own company along the road. But uh, I met my business partner way down the way down the road or back on the road in the 80s, and uh, he's an incredible artist. And we both had a love of interest in, in amusement parks. And uh, I had a lot of ideas about some things like an indoor water park and a ride-through shooting gallery, which uh, we wanted to do some uh, models in that. So we started doing that, and then we went out and we started knocking on some doors, which nowadays would be pretty hard to do. But uh, Six Flags, Magic Mountain, all that kind of stuff, Bradley and Kay Company, uh, and pretty soon people started hiring us to do stuff. Small stuff got bigger and bigger, and for, you know, we turned into a, uh, a, a full company, you know, doing dark rides, water parks, and whatever else came on our road, wax museums. Awesome. Cool. You know, Rick, when you're designing uh, different attractions, thinking about it, what are some of the tools that you would use? Are you using like software or stick to pencil and paper? You know, we started way back when, <laughs> before there was any software and that. So uh, even though we, we, we use uh, computers uh, to a point, you know, CAD and, and that, mostly it's still hand-drawn, sketched, and, and so forth. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I do it. Uh, and the computer, we uh, use it to help us. And, and actually, the company still consists of mostly uh, Richard, my business partner, and myself, and a few artists who help us out. And, We've been doing everything our own way for many decades. So it, uh, I think that's part of the interesting story that I wrote in the book was how we started. Just knocked on doors at Magic Mountain. They let us in the door and said, you know, we've got a model here. We're trying to figure out for the uh, Rapids ride. Could you help us? Oh, yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, went in and, and uh, worked on their, their scale models. I say model. We're talking about the old-time scale models. Uh, so that, that's what we started in the business, and it just accelerated greatly from there, and uh, that's what I've been doing for 40-some years. Yeah, I mean, you clearly had uh, quite a career. Um, now, uh, obviously, I haven't gotten the chance to read your book yet because it's not out yet, but uh, you sent me the index, and it lists you know dozens of different attractions that you were involved with. So one thing that always came to mind for me is if I was designing attractions, I'd be concerned that after a while, I would start repeating ideas and things would become stale. What do you do to draw inspiration so that an attraction you make now is different from an attraction you'll make 10 years from now and the attraction you make tomorrow is different from the attraction you made five years ago? Well, it's really all in the story. And I, I write all the stories and create all the characters and so forth, whether it's like, uh, say, Phantom Theater or Yosemite Sam and the Six uh, uh, Gold River Adventure. Adventure Express, things like that. Um, I, I, I basically, in one who writes all the stories, come up with the characters. So it's fun for me to do something different. I try not to go back and, and repeat something. Oh, once in a while, there, there's effects and illusions and things that uh, work great in one, and we you know move it into the other with a different character and that. But um, 
I uh, I try not to repeat anything because that's what's fun. What's fun is to create something brand new. And sometimes they last for a long, long time. Sometimes they last for 10 years and have kind of gone in the industry. But uh, things like the MGM theme park and some of those things that we've worked on over the years have uh, just kind of stayed alive over the years. And people still love them and do websites and, and all of that, even if it's gone. Well, we, we still have a lot of projects that are, are still open, but uh, you know, a lot of them have come by the, come by the roadside. Yeah, Rick, I was introduced to you last year. You know, we had you out at Kings Island. You talked about designing Phantom Theater in the Kings Island Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also, you know, you mentioned you designed and you were involved with Adventure Express. Can you tell us the story behind that attraction? Sure. Adventure Express is when, when we started work with Kings Island. We met uh, Dave Folke and the people from Kings Island at the IAPA show and uh, brought us out to do what at that time was a runaway roller coaster by uh, Arrow. And so I came up with the idea for kind of an Indiana Jones kind of a look to it and called it the Adventure Express. That was my name. Uh, and so we went further with that. And as we started developing it, they said, you know, this is, we love the theme and all that, but we've got to have the right name. So they brought in two ad agencies who ran contests and all kinds of stuff, trying to find the right name for, you know, for the attraction. And after all of that, after several weeks that came back to me and said, you know what we're going to call it? We're going to call it Adventure Express, because it works. <laughs> so that that's how that came about. But uh, that was great fun. It was uh, one of the last coasters that Arrow did. You know, it was a runaway coaster uh, on the side of the hill there, really challenging uh, to build uh, the tunnels at. And uh, from that point, uh, the next year, we're very soon we're working on the Phantom Theater, which was the next year project that we Mm, So you're working on uh, two projects uh, simultaneously. That's pretty cool. Um, You know, you know, you you, you've had uh, quite the resume. But uh, of all the projects you've you've worked on, does one stick out as your favorite? And if so, what is it and why? You know, probably for me, uh, Phantom Theater is way up there because it's just existed for so long. It's amazing how they have plays, kids dress up as the characters, and all that. But uh, probably my favorite was uh, Grand Canyon Rapids at MGM Theme Park, and uh, that was in Las Vegas. And uh, that was a, a trip to the Wild West, but two tunnels and Western shootouts with, uh, you know, old West Marshals and things like that. Um, then the, probably my second one, because I'm really a Western kind of a guy, was uh, Yosemite Sam on the Gold River Adventure, which was all the Warner Brothers characters. and. Uh, we wrote them into a story about uh, the 70 South stealing the gold and uh, Bugs becomes a Texas Ranger, which works really cool in, uh, in uh, Texas. Uh, people love that stuff. So that, that, was one, that was one of my favorites. They're, they're both gone now, but they both had a long run. A lot of fun. You know, Rick, one of the chapters of your upcoming book is called The Designs That Were Never Built. Now, without spoiling too much, uh, what can you tell us about that, these designs that were never built? Yeah, uh, well, a lot of things that we do are actually built, which is kind of unusual in our business because there's people who make a lot of money making models and beautiful renderings and, of, of projects that cost hundreds of millions of dollars and never built. So we've always been known for uh, the guys to go to if you really want to build something. And uh, along with that, there's also a lot of projects that come down, come down the road that. Uh, we do and do some presentations, and they never really get built. So I'd be for Six Flags Texas and Atlantic City and some of those kind of projects uh, never got built. One thing we did do was for uh, Santa Cruz Boardwalk, and that was one of them, and that was a, uh, a ride through of the cave train. If you ever heard the cave train adventure, it's a uh, dark ride. They wanted to re- redo it, so being in Santa Cruz, we came up with an entire story of an undersea train that ran at all kinds of adventures and octopus and all kinds of eels and things. And uh, along the road, we were getting ready to really get into the sign of it. The local people heard that uh, we were doing that and taking out the cavemen. If you're acquainted with the ride at all, it's about these goofy cavemen. So um, they talked to uh, uh, the people at Santa Cruz, very much oriented to the to their uh, public and, and the people around there and uh, so we changed it to uh back to a cave and 
and I rewrote a whole new story with all kinds of crazy cave characters and stuff. But that's how some of those things can go and kind of take a different uh, drift as you're, as you're doing it. But that's always fun to create anyway, even if it wasn't built. Yeah, I'm sure there's some of them that, uh, you know, you think about today and you, you probably are like, I don't understand why they didn't go with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of times it has to do with money more than anything. You know, not to not to get uh, built stuff we've done for Six Flags. Uh, we did a uh, a walkthrough for them that, that they were really excited about. It was a quest for Lafitte's gold, and that uh, was uh, an old thing that opened with the uh, with the park. Actually, did this big adventure, uh, and that's part of one of the, uh, one of the chapters there. It's a big adventure where rocks were tumbling down on you, all kinds of volcanic and sprays and wolves jumping at you and all kinds of fun stuff but anyway uh, uh, they decided to build a coaster instead so that's that's what happened a lot of times the uh, you know, a coaster or a mega thing like that might win out over a themed attraction but uh, hopefully mixed up alright Rick uh, so one of the chapters is entitled uh, Bonfante Gardens uh, now known as Gilroy Gardens so that should be a park that's uh, familiar to, to many of our listeners as it was under the Paramount and the Cedar Fair banners. What did talk, talk about your project with, with them? No, that's the longest project that, that we ever had. And we started maybe 10 years before with Mr. Bonfani, Michael, great guy, this really a real character, a really nice guy. And he loves uh, trees and he loves natural things like that. And so he had a little kitty park down there and he owned uh, Knob Hill food. So we'd go there and, and visit with him and, and do some work on the kitty park. Well, suddenly, or I wouldn't say suddenly, I mean, finally he said, you know what, I'm going to sell my food chain, which was a Knob Hill Foods, and uh, we're going to build a whole park. So that was great. So we started in on that and building the park, but he had saved what was called the circus trees, which are these amazing, amazing trees, and a couple dozen, and they were all woven together. And you have to see it almost to... to to believe it there's there's some pictures in the book in fact in the book i've got 240 pictures in the, in the book the black and white but uh that was my idea was to really make it a a visual book so you can really see these stories and the things that i'm talking about but anyways there's some pictures of the circus trees in there so uh anyway as we started progressing we brought dual corporation in and uh dual are the guys that did all the original six flags parts you're probably aware of Ira West uh, was the president in that. So we brought them in to do the design, and we did many things with them through the years. Uh, and they did the, really the park layout that what we concentrated on was all the uh, theming of it. Uh, I had 53 different uh, uh, audio tracks in the park, which is something we do all the audio tracks and record everything and all the music and all the sound effects and that. But uh, it's just a beautiful park. And uh, when it opened, uh, it, finally, I, I'm, I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, Michael would, uh, basically sold it to the city and it became Gilroy Gardens. But uh, we did all the thematic work, Quicksilver Express coaster, things that were, are still there. Rick, let's talk about dark rides. The modern dark rides today, they're often criticized for relying too heavily on screens. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your take on the use of screens in a dark ride? I, you know, first of all, the story is the most important thing. So I've, I've designed a lot of dark rides. That's our favorite thing to do. You know, Yosemite Sam or the Exterminator coaster or whatever it might, uh, whatever it might be, uh, Phantom Theater. And uh, in all of those, we use technology, but the technology was only to tell the story. So you can definitely go over overboard with all the screens and that if you use them in the right way and it blends into the story. You know, terrific. Um, you know, tons of animatronics over the years and that. Uh, but you always have to be careful. You don't let the technology overtake the story, the adventure, you know, the feeling that people have there. You used to see on screens, I mean, people got, you know, 800-inch screens in their own homes, you know, <laughs> covering walls and that. So it's not as exciting. Not, not, it's a, uh, not a great effect to use, but uh, you can't disrely on that. People, like I said, they have access to it in their own homes and, uh, everywhere they go. And so, uh, I don't know, it's a good effect, but it's got to be part of the story. Yeah. So, Rick, I remember um, 
when you were presenting at King's Island, you know, obviously you're talking about Phantom Theater and Phantom Theater is probably for, for our listener base, probably the, uh, the attraction that you designed that our listeners would be most familiar with. Um, but you, you mentioned adding, uh, you kind of like fantasized about adding a scene at the end where, you know, the maestro kind of, uh, does something with an explosion. I, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but, um, taking a different take on the same question, if you were going to recreate Phantom Theater today, and this is just a fantasy thing, uh, but implementing newer technology, like the stuff that's out there, whether it's screens or if it's, you know, other things like that, how would you do it today with, with modern technology? Yeah, we'd certainly incorporate, you know, what, what has kept that thing over the years so popular that, you know, they even did a stage show, you guys know, and they ran it the last two years. We were talking about running it another year. And uh, it's the characters that, that are important, and that's what people uh, really thrive on, not the fact that there's some special effect happened. There's a special effect makes it, makes it you know, part, part of the story. So I, in answer to your question... Certainly, I would upgrade some of the effects and the illusions and the animatronics and, and all of that. But, what, you know, what people, they, they love the story and they love the characters. I'm going to show you something here because you're bringing it up. Yeah, please. <laughs> nice. One of my favorite about, characters. Yeah. Okay. And what, he's basically kind of my alter ego, right? Okay. And, and uh, this is what's called a maquette. If you're not uh, used to what that is okay and this was one of the characters that we had uh, carved and done in our studio and that so that when they built the animatronics um, that they'd be able to follow the face and so forth so I got let me put this guy here I don't want to drop him on the on the ground that might look familiar to you I've seen him around <laughs> The maestro, love the maestro. Hey, well, like when I go pair my my maestro mug versus your real deal, you know, I think it's a pretty good representation. Even the hand formations and stuff. Look at that. That's pretty good. So anyway, there's a couple of couple of extra ones that I have done from the start. Now, part of the story of that is they wanted to do some kind of a haunted a, attraction, but we don't do really haunted things. I mean, you know, I, I just stay away from it. It's not, it's not what I do. Uh, although we have done a few things that are more, you know, kind of scary, but from the start, what I intended this to be is that uh, these guys are phantoms. They're not ghosts. People are saying, oh, what kind of ghost are they? I said, they're really not ghosts. They live in a kind of this crazy, spooky old theater. But what happened was when vaudevillian times uh, went away, they refused to go away and they stayed in the theater and they was boarded up and the longer they stayed there, the stranger they got. And so they turned into kind of these blue phantomy characters, but they're really never meant to be a, uh, you know, a ghost or a specter or anything like that. Although you know, we've got a few illusions and that going on in this creepy thing. But uh, I've had people come and go say, hey, how, how did Maestro die? And I say, they didn't die. They're still there. They're still doing it. They're away, you know. That's, that's what they're all about. You know, they're still trying to through the vaudevillian time, and, and, and we see it in the uh, in the, the theater presentation, and they sing the part in, in one of the songs about, we're never going to die, we're going to stay here, there's something to that illusion. So anyway, that's kind of the back the back story uh, you know, of that, my intention of that uh, ride, and that, that's that's one that has really had legs forever, and, and there's been so much talk, there's dozens and dozens of sites uh, on that about the uh, bringing it back, and I've talked to the park about bringing it back, we've talked about it, we've never become anything so, in some way or another, because it just continues to uh, to live, you know, and the, the stage show is essentially my story, it's amazing, they, they, you know, kicked it up a few notches here and there, but in essence, all the characters, Houdini and Baker Bonzo, that all, uh, are all my original characters, uh, so anyway. That one's one's a special one that keeps going. Maybe we'll bring it back someday. And yeah, I loved in the, the the show how they actually brought those characters from a ride to life on the stage. And you know, there was one particular performer in there that his favorite ride growing up was Phantom Theater. He wasn't big into roller coasters, so he would just ride Phantom Theater over and over again. And he said that attraction inspired uh, him to want to get into acting, and for him to be in that show that was really special. I, I saw that, and that's the guy who did Maestro, right? 
right? Right, yeah, and he, he was inspired to be in that. And he told me that. Oh, that was uh, amazing when I went in to, uh, to see them you know, and take some pictures with them and see them perform and uh, bring all the characters to life. It was amazing. You know, Rick, your book, Adventures of a Theme Park Designer, it's currently available for pre-order. It'll be released in hardback on September 8th. Uh, tell us about the book and where someone can get yeah, their hands on I'll it. Tell you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to show it to you because it's kind of interesting. That's the, the, the cover of the book. Okay, and uh, who this guy is here, they, they wanted to put that picture on, but that's from the MGM Theme Park. And I've uh, always been an old West fan. I was in law enforcement and, and things. So we had a marshal in there who was seven feet tall, and he carved the marshal after me. And that's what's on the, on the front of the, of the book there. They wanted this uh, raspy-looking uh, Western uh, marshal. And uh, the, uh, the ride goes into a bank robbery in progress where he's been shooting it out with the guys and that. So going back to the book, basically I wanted to write a book that wasn't a history book. There's lots of history books out there about, you know, nice books about how this happened, how that happened, and the chronological effect of, of things, you know, on, on, on attractions and so forth, how each year a different attraction was built. And, uh, you know, those are great books, but I wanted to write a personal story about what it's like to be a theme park designer. And... Uh, Particularly the way we did it, um, we do everything, which is makes it fun. I've had guys from Disney come to me, uh, wet Imagineers, and guys that you know and said, "You know what? You guys get to have the most fun because you do everything." I write the scripts, we make the characters, I make the colors, we make the music. Uh, I even play on some of the music tracks, guitar, and things. You know, so we we really get to do everything. And I, I've had these guys say, "You know." Well, we decide, oh, I write a script, or this guy picks colors, this guy does trash cans, uh, you know, you guys uh, do it all. So my thought on the book was, uh, first of all, I tell about how we, how we started, which I think is an unusual story, and I think it's inspiring. Uh, hopefully, at the end of the book, I write, I hope this is inspirational to people who want to do something. Don't just think you have to go by the normal channel. I tell you. you must have a degree in this, and you must do that, but... You know, we didn't do it that way. We just went, you know, we love amusement parks. We've got a lot of great ideas, and we're pretty talented, I guess, and we're enthusiastic. And uh, that uh, that's what started this whole thing. So I wanted to tell the story about that and how we progressed year by year and what we learned, how we learned not to do this, not to use this kind of fog, you know, because it puts sticky goop all over everything. And it's just a lot of... Things like that that we learned along the along the way, uh, and as we progressed along, the projects became bigger and more exciting, and multiple projects at the same time. Um, we were at one time doing uh, three projects at MGM Theme Park in Las Vegas, and at the same time building the uh, Voyage to the Center of the Earth uh, ride, dark ride, raft ride at uh, Highland Hills Waterworld, all at the same time. Uh, so. You know, it was a pretty exciting and, and wild times. So I wanted to tell some of the backstories about that and the people we met, the important people we met along the road, like Bud Hurlbut and, and uh, Dave Bradley and some of these guys, you know, legends in the business before us, who helped us along on the road and taught us a few things. Um, so that was my idea, was to write this and do a lot of behind-the-scenes funny things that happened you know, the, the storylines and how they're developed and that type of thing. And put a lot of pictures in there. Like I said, 240 pictures. And they're all pictures that I've taken or, or had somebody taken of us doing something. Of behind the scenes building the characters or building the sets and all those things came across without being really highly technical. It's really, it's an adventure story. I mean, it's our adventure story. Uh, and that's why I wanted it to to be versus a highly detailed, of, you know, put this brick on top of that brick and that's going to work. It's like, <laughs> no, this is fun. If you do this, the bricks might fall over, so be careful. You know? uh, so <laughs> that, that, that's really what the book was, was, was meant to be, and, and uh, hopefully it is a lot, of, a lot of fun. It's a fun journey of, of adventure from not really knowing a whole lot to learning and still learning every day when I do stuff. Rick, when did you get the idea to actually do a book? When did you start working on it? You know, I've had people telling me that for years, a lot of years, because 
again, our story is, uh, is it's, it's just kind of unique. And a lot of people know, you know, the, those projects are uh, iconic type projects. So I've had a lot of people way back to like, I, I mentioned Ira West, who's a great friend of mine. He was the president of Duel. Uh, he always used to tell me, he's, he's, he's gone now, but he's just a great guy. And he's telling me, Rick, you got to write a book. The way you write and your way of looking at things, you, you got to write a book. And then many people tell me that. So uh, I'd always kind of written notes, but about a year ago, actually, I met with the guys from Kings on, a, on a Skype. And uh, they were encouraging me, the guys there were saying, you got to write a book about these projects because they knew them all. Um, they knew all the projects and uh, it helped inspire me. And so I started writing some. And, Got with uh, uh, River Shore uh, Publishing, who was offering the book, or River Shore Press, and uh, started writing it, and it just kind of clicked. So I just kept going with it. And it's, it's a long process because I, I did a lot of research and back on some of the things we did and, that, and, and all the photos, you know, looking through all these photos from so you know so many decades to pick the ones out, and even the, and the photos in the book. Um, there's no uh, uh, titles on them. I took them all myself, but what they do is they show up right when I'm talking about it in the book. You know, this is the character we did here, or Ray Carbonzo, and then it, the pictures are, are, are right there. So it was my idea to make it a fun picture book along with an adventure book. Rick, what was it like walking down memory lane, uh, you know, reviewing these projects from decades ago? Uh you know, it was great. I always look back and go, gee, I should have probably maybe done this a little better or, or something. But, you know, you work with what you've got. The technology at the time, 33 years ago, was different than, you know, than it is now, a lot of things. Uh, but it, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great fun, a lot of nostalgia. It, a lot of it's really still in my head. I mean, I, I can go through all those rides and tell you all the characters and basically what they said and, and all of that because it came out of my head. So... Um, it was, you know, it was fun, but it, it's a lot of work, you know, put something like that together. I'm hopefully pay it off and uh, people excited and interested to uh, see the story, yeah. see the fun story. I'm on the adventure with me. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, Rick, you mentioned a lot of pictures. I think that's very important, uh, you know, when you're trying to tell stories and, you know, people are writing and publishing books is to have uh, those pictures. Because I think, you know, a picture says a thousand words a lot of times. And I think that's great that they'll have that. Yeah, and, and, and that's it. Even say we've got, well, let's hold it up here. See, on the back of there's a lot of tons of pictures. I don't know if you see it like that. Um, the ones inside are black and white. These are our color. But you can see going through, there's a, a lot of pictures of art direction and putting these things together and building models about them and things that most people have. They'll ask me, how do you do that? Well, what is it? How did you learn? Well, we taught ourselves. We just, we just started doing it. And uh, the more we did it, the more we learned uh, how to do it. Uh, still learning today how to do it. Yeah. Well, Rick, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it, I would say that if you're if you're a fan of any of your your body of work, whether uh, Phantom Theater, Adventure Express, uh, Exterminator is a personal favorite of mine. I haven't been on in a long time, um, but your book, Adventures of a Theme Park Designer, uh, River Shore Creative, who does excellent work. They they've worked with. Uh, with uh, people around Kings Island before. So we're familiar with their, their quality and stuff, but that's fantastic. We are going to have a link in the description where you can pre-order the book. And remember it comes out September 8th. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, uh, it's all it's being printed now. And uh, it's, it's ready to roll. If people want to see it, you know, it's a, it's a, a hard, a hard cover book. And uh, it's a really beautiful job that, that uh, River Shore did on it. Uh, if you've seen one or not, but uh, it's, it's really a classy uh, job. I'm proud of you know, the work we did together on that. So for those, yeah, right, uh, just right. real quick, for those of you who are audio listening, since we, you know, Rick has shown off the book and stuff, I'm, uh, I do have pictures of the cover and stuff that you sent me. I will be tweeting that out. So check our Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. If you want to see the cover and stuff, we'll also tweet out, um, the link to pre-order. Cause I, I really think that, uh, what you do, it has been very important to the industry. It continues to be important and your story has to be told. I'm sorry, Don, go on with your thought. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Rick, you know, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the attractions group podcast. I mean, your work, it's been enjoyed by millions across the country and beyond. 
And uh, you know, you're going to have just thousands more are going to enjoy reading that book. Well, thank you. And one, one last thing is that uh, one thing I did put in there was uh, a lot of things where people got a hold of me um, or I ran into them many, many years later. And uh, they tell me how much it, it meant to them. I'll tell you a, a brief story if you had a minute. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, that uh, I, I was uh, doing a, a project in uh, Denver area. And it was uh, Lost Continent Golf, Miniature Golf. We do, we do anything you want to put a theme on. And it had exploding temples and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the, uh, the last hole was um, a big character. And there's pictures in that, a big character that you, you hit the 18th hole. Uh, but to each side was a smaller tiki character. And there was a big kind of tiki in the middle. If you got a hole in one, he'd say, good shot, hole in one. You know, and it would kind of explode out of his head. Well, if you hit into the gutter ball, which is what you usually do, there's these two statues on the side. And there's these two guys. Hey, look at this guy, you know. Uh, this is fun. And they would spray some water up like that at the person playing the golf. Okay. So now I'm, I'm working with Dish Network. And I call this girl up because I'm trying to fix something on my dish. And we talk. And she says, oh, I'm in Denver. I said, do you ever go to, uh, to the miniature golf course? She goes, oh, I love this miniature golf course. I, I'm talking 15 years later. Whatever. I love this miniature golf course there. Uh, Lost Continent Golf. She goes, did you have anything to do with that? I said, yeah, actually, I just like the whole thing. She goes, it's statues that squirt. She goes, let me tell you a story. She goes, I went out with this guy, and he took me to Lost Continent Golf for my first date. And at the end, there's these statues that spray water. And she said, I, I hit a gutter ball, and when I did, it went into one of the gutters. And when that happened, he stood in front of me, stepped in front of me, and got the water, and hit, hit the water hit him instead of hitting her. And she said, you know what? She goes, I knew it was the right guy because of that. And, and I'm married to him now for five years. You know, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. For something that's literally so not that important, you know, it's a fun little thing, but uh, for their life and who knows how many other people, just a small thing like that uh, is something that I created. And it's a good feeling to know that there's millions of people with memories, and maybe special things that happened or that they experienced, or, or like I said, the guy who wanted to uh, get into uh, business because he saw the maestro. So I have a, a, a lot of stories like that in there, uh, kind of weaving, woven through of, of people that uh, these things meant a lot to that I learned along the, along the way that I never had any idea. Phantom Theater is an amazing one. They're, they, they're dressing their kids up. It's maestro. People are sending me pictures. It's, uh, you know, it's crazy. They've got pins. They've got the characters that they saw at the park. Bugs. You know. So anyway, it, it, it's, I think it's a, a special part of the book is that uh, anybody can do things that, that, that are going to be special to people. You know, I've, I've, you know, God's blessed me with the talent and the, uh, yes, <laughs> the, uh, uh, opportunity to touch so many people's lives in, in a good way and entertain them. So uh, hopefully that's inspirational to people, whether they're a theme park designer or they do something else that's special. Uh, you know, you can do it. You know, don't let somebody tell you you can't do it or you got to do it a special way. Do it, do it the way that works. Absolutely. Don't give up. <laughs> so he's a match. He's a matchmaker too, right? <laughs> I said you're a matchmaker too. <laughs> Since you you created that couple at the the miniature golf, um, so uh, just just one last time, uh, the name of your book, your name, you know that sort of stuff. But do you have like social media where they can follow you? Yeah, you know it's on uh, boy, it's on uh, YouTube and uh, on, on my own website. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with that right now. I'm not really attuned. To it, I've got other people working on it. I know uh, Barry and John and that are working, working on some of that. Uh, you know, and and you, all you got to do is look, you know, look it up. You know, you just dive into Google and it comes, comes up. But you know, Ventures of a Theme Park Designer um, starts popping up. All of that. So we're just we're really kind of just getting started and and all that. We appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys and your your audience. You know. Well, it is our honor. So once again, uh, we will include the link to pre-order 
your book uh, that is Rick Bastrop's Adventures of a Theme Park Designer. His book will come out in hardback on September 8th. Rick, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really been an honor. You bet. Thank you. It's been an honor. Awesome. We'll see you guys down there. That was great having Rick on, mm -hmm. you know, always, always, you know, just fascinated with, uh, you know, his world and how he got involved with that. And, uh, you know, you pre-ordered the book, I'm getting the book and, you know, hopefully we'll have him on our other podcast tower topics in the weeks ahead. Uh, Ryan, you know, we asked on our ex formerly Twitter uh, to submit your theme park questions. And this week's question is from it's at wonderland weekly and wonder are then land weekly. Uh, who asked, what are the benefits and drawbacks to adding clone rides, coasters at multiple parks in a chain? And on that note, should clone rides and coasters use the same name at every park, or should they have their own unique names? I think that's a great question. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Um, so the benefit is, uh, there's a cost benefit to it, because uh, like almost anything else, one of the big expenses with rides and shows and everything else is development. Uh, so when you have something you can pull off the shelf, it's it's a lot cheaper. It's kind of like um, how flat rides are a lot more inexpensive. I mean, yes, there's less stuff to them, but also it's like, yeah, I want that. Put it here. You know, obviously there's it's more complicated than that, but it's, you know, there's nothing custom about it. Uh, so there's a cost benefit. Uh, the drawback is you you do lack something special. Now, to the average person, I, like to people like you and I, who you know, whoever you are, the listener, <laughs> um, if your local park gets a clone of something in California, even if you have never ridden it and will never ride it, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Excuse me, but to the to the average person, they don't care. All it has to be is a great ride, and that's all that matters. Um, I think that a lot of times they don't do this because parks want to market the most loops, the tallest, the fastest, some sort of record. And if it's a clone of something else, you, you just can't do that unless you play with the geography of, you know, the tallest in the Northwest or whatever, you know, um, should they have the same name? Uh, that depends because I think that every park should have its own personality. Um, that's just me though. Uh, I I'm kind of tired of the whole Batman, the ride things, you know, with a, there's a Batman, the ride invert at, you know, 10 different locations or, or whatever it is, but, uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, we've had discussions about the names and whether or not it matters. Um, personally, I think that it matters on the day of the announcements, uh, the day that the, the, the attraction opens and when it comes to marketing merchandise. And even at that, the name is less relevant than the logo. Um, but I'm a strong believer that parks should have their own personalities. And from that alone, I wouldn't want to copy a name, but from a marketing standpoint, it's usually, if you have one that works, it's probably the wise thing to do. Do you have any thoughts, Don? You know, I'm agreeing with you on a lot of what you've said there, Ryan. I don't have a problem with it. You know, when you're cloning the, the rides or the names, I think, especially if your park has a name like, you know, Six Flags. Every park is a Six Flags park. You know that going in at Six Flags. So I think it builds that brand awareness, um, you know, with those attractions that way. So I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, and, and for most of the guests, you know, that are going to these parks, that's the only place, their home park, that they're ever going to experience that ride, see that name anyway. They're not into it like you and I are and some of the enthusiasts that are. Um, so in that respect, the majority of your guests they don't know any different. That's the only thing they know is that right is at their home park. So I have no problems. Let with me it. ask you this, Don, you made an interesting point. So, um, six flat, most of the chains with, with the exception of Cedar fair, cause they have different names for all their stuff, but six flags has six flags over this and six flags that, and even Disney does that. Do you think that there are potential drawbacks where if I live near six flags over Georgia, and I'm in Chicago that I don't want to go to the one in Gurney, Illinois, because I've been to the one at home. I don't need to go to the one there. No, I think for me, I would be even more inclined to maybe do it because I want to see how that park differs from my home park. So yeah, for me, I, I, I think it would entice more visits for me. I think it would too, uh, because I would find that interesting, but I think to the average person th there might be some drawbacks involved. Um, there's also like communication is always so bad, uh, with the, the news and all that, where if, uh, six flags over Georgia is adding a, a roller coaster, people in St. Louis may think it's going to their park because 
they just quickly call it Six Flags. I, I I don't know. I don't know if that actually happens, but that would be a concern of mine. But uh, very good question. You know, clones are definitely a thing in the industry, but it seems like less now than before. You know, we haven't had a Batman in a while. Yeah, that's right. And we've got the post where you can question. It's pinned to the top of our Twitter. So each week we will pull a question. So fire away. Nothing is out of bounds. Hit us with your best shot, my friends. That's all right, right Don. Uh, all right, let's do this. It's time for a little segment we like to call the pick six. Don, you have number one. I love the pick six. All right, Ryan, starting this fall, daily admission tickets will no longer cover Halloween Haunt at King's Dominion in Doswell, Virginia. 2023 gold or platinum passes or 2024 gold or prestige passes will be able to still attend the daytime and evening events without having to buy a second ticket. Uh, but your thoughts on this change at King's Dominion? Absolutely torn. Uh, on one hand, um, I think it's necessary. I understand why they're doing it because I, I know that at a lot of parks, when six or seven o'clock hits, there's a very small thin line between what's appropriate for kids and what's not. And that probably causes a lot of conflict. So emptying out the park and refilling it probably makes a lot of sense because at least parents will know what they're getting into. With that being said, though, the chatter online uh, has a lot of people saying like, it's stupid. Uh, I got into it with my gold pass last year. How come I can't get in this year? So you have to be very careful about communicating that it's, you still get in with your gold pass and you can still get in the day and night because people don't ever repass the headlines and the headlines aren't always, always really well communicated, but that's right. You know, um, yeah, nothing changes for you if you're a pass holder. So I think in that respect, you know, it's all the same for you. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, this, this will enhance the experience too. You know, when, when you, have people there specifically for that event. I, I completely agree. Um, I, I, it, when you have to put bumpers on stuff, I'm not a big like Halloween gore person to be clear. I'm not against it or anything, but it's just not a super interest to me. Like it is some people, but uh, when you have to put bumpers on stuff because like parents are still walking around with their five-year-old is wearing a scarecrow costume. It, it kind of does. It dampens it, you know? All right, number two. All right. Speaking of family friendly, uh, new drone show at Holiday World for their Halloween celebration. It's going to be uh, Happy Halloween Weekends, uh, and it's going to be a drone show that takes place September 23rd through October 28th. So I believe I misspoke uh, a couple weeks ago saying that Holiday World was open only halfway through October. I guess they are all the way through Halloween weekend. Um, but the drone show is going to be really cool. Um, Halloween event includes a 12-acre corn maze. Uh, I would probably starve to death in there. Uh, theme shows, food and beverages, and of course, amusement park rides. You gotta love Holiday World, don't you? Yeah, just a lot of you know, a lot of fun. You're gonna have your favorite coasters, you know, there uh, at the park open during this event. You know, we're talking the Legend, the Voyage, Raven, um, Thunderbird. So I, I think uh, you know, just a lot of fun. You know, it's gonna be well well themed out there. And again, just Saturday evenings is when the drone show will take place, September 23rd through October 28th. Yeah, I can only their, their drone show looked really, really cool for the regular season. So I can only imagine what, you know, oh, yeah. with something like Halloween where, you know, it's a whole level of creativity that you may not have been able to do with the other stuff. So no, no, you get to see the different things like pumpkins and things up in drones. So yeah, really, really cool what Holiday World's going to be doing. All right, moving on next. Six Flags. They unveiled thrilling new rides and experiences across its properties, including three roller coasters, family rides, water attractions, and an upscale glamping experience. That's glamping. Uh, for a one-stop look at all that's new for 2024 at the respective Six Flags parks, I recommend you visit CoasterNation.com. You know, just some great write-ups about what each of the parks are doing. And I think, Ryan, there's so many things going on. Six Flags next year. We can almost dedicate a full episode here the next couple of weeks just talking about the new things that are coming there. Yeah, to be fair, if, if we didn't already plan to have Rick on the show, we probably would have done that. Just what's new with Six Flags. Uh, yeah, cool stuff out of uh, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Um, so which one's getting that uh, Ultra uh, Vacoma Boomerang? Uh, I can't remember which park that's going to. That looks awesome. 
I love. I think New Jersey's the one that's I, yeah, I New think Jersey so. with that. There's a wood coaster going into Great Escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Great Escape a couple of weeks ago. That uh, they're you know going to be losing attraction there. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. Just a lot of really really fun attractions. So uh, yeah, let's let's definitely plan on that. Let's do an episode where we're just talking about all the things that are going on there. We can certainly fill more than an hour with that. What's next, Ryan? Okay. Um, so by the time you are listening to this podcast. Uh, SeaWorld Orlando, Aquatica, Busch Gardens Tampa, and Adventure Island will all be cashless. Uh, that will apply to payments made at restaurants, stores, ticket windows, parking, and more. Uh, on a post on its website, SeaWorld said cashless payments are faster, more secure, and convenient for visitors. Uh, I have heard that story before from a lot of other parks. Uh, I'm in favor of cashless. What about you? Very much in favor of it. You know, we touched on this in one of our first podcasts about cashless, and I talked about my first experience uh, with that. The first um, entertainment place to ever do that was the Tampa Bay Rays, and it just really enhanced the experience. I've gone to a number of parks where it's cashless. Uh, you know, just I just think it really adds to your experience, and it is correct. It is faster. You know, it is more convenient for for guests. It is safer for guests. You know, more secure. I guess is the word you want to use there. But uh, you know, I'm all for it. And I think people in the last couple of years have become real uh, familiar with many places, you know, being cashless and it's just a way of life now. Yeah. I can't believe how many people, um, still show up with cash. I, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like when you buy a car and you sit, you buy a Ford Taurus, you can see nothing but Ford Tauruses on the road cause you're paying attention. But, um, I, I haven't really used cash like on a regular basis since about 2001, 2002, maybe. Um, so I, I love Apple Pay. I love the the touch, the contactless payments and stuff. So I like it. I don't want to go for a cashless society. Let's not get into that debate. But as far as like somewhere where we're trying to make it fast, we're trying to make it convenient, and Lord knows we're trying to make it secure. Theme parks, perfect. Go cashless. What's next? <laughs> I'm all for it. All right, Hollywood Rip Rides Rocket song options. They've changed. Each genre now features a single song. So we're talking classic rock metal. It's now Welcome to the Black Parade. By My Chemical Romance, Pop Disco, it's Waterloo by ABBA, who doesn't love ABBA, uh, Country, it's Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain, uh, the rap hip-hop is now Humble by Kendrick Lamar and Club Electronica, and Sandstrom by, I think it's, it's Darude, uh, the secret song menu, that's going to remain the same. Ryan, which song would you be choosing? Um, of those songs, I'd probably choose The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Uh, cause that would be kind of interesting, but I, you know, I, I, I heard back and forth information cause I know that black parade is added for horror nights and then removed afterward. At least it was in the past. And I thought maybe this was all for that, but I can tell you that of the maybe five or six times I've ridden this ride, there have been several instances where I'm still trying to decide. And by the time it hits the lift hill, it just picks a random song. So that's probably what they're trying to avoid where it's like, Oh yeah, a country song. Go with that. What do you think? Well, I mean, I'm going to pick uh, Waterloo by Abbott because someone had to. Yeah. Clearly somebody bought that CD and some Kendrick Lamar and stuff. <laughs> That's right. All right. What's our final one here? Oh, the last one. So I, I added this one. I was excited because I saw this news come up and, you know, Don and I used a shared document to, to record this stuff. And I was like, oh, I hope he didn't finish the pick six because I love Haunted Mansion. Now, I haven't been to Disneyland yet. I know a lot of you guys get on me for on social media for that, but this may be the reason for it, uh, a reason to go. That Greatest. is attraction out there although tower of terror is right tower there of terror it. is the greatest attraction and haunted mansion's close uh <laughs> anyway um disneyland's haunted mansion is actually going to get a facelift it, it uh they're going to be redoing the queue it's going to tell more of a story uh so it's going to have new gardens inspired by master gracie madame leota and the one-eyed cat each of the gardens will feature unique elements ranging from a water fountain and gazebo to themed uh uh, stationary and landscaping. Uh, and it, in fact, guests will be able to see a new greenhouse where the greenhouse keepers or the groundskeepers for the Haunted Mansion grow their plants. It, it, do you think that's for real or do you think that's like part of the show? That's, I, I'm going to guess it's going to be part yeah, of the Yeah, I, I was going to say it'd be cool if you actually went to the greenhouse. But I could be wrong. Uh, pet cemetery. I'm wrong a lot. Drug, so yeah, that's right. Uh, pet cemetery and horse drawn funeral hearse will continue to reside on the attractions grounds. Uh, yeah, can't go wrong with Haunted Mansion. I mean, it's one of those things where um, 
for a lot of attractions, you hate to see stuff change. But with Disney, that's all they do. Like uh, uh, an example at Disney World, I distinctly remember when I was like three or four when I went there. Uh, I remember seeing Madame Leota on the crystal ball. And I remember it being on the table. And now it floats in the air. And they just added that effect like 15, 20 years ago. So the only constant has changed with this stuff. They, they, I think it's cool. I think what they're doing, you know, when it comes to the Haunted Mansion, you know, and we've seen it with Tower terror is they make these changes but they make the experience better you know as the technology improves and different things they've continually made it better i agree i, I completely agree and it's kind of like um th this probably addresses a need i i mean i don't know for sure but i imagine that they probably had situations because i know disneyland's attendance has been pretty good so they probably had like the line spilling out onto the midway and stuff so with this if they can keep the line within it uh improve the experience and um you know, not block the midways and stuff, then, then it's a win overall. Um, and the cool part is with Disney, Disney's one of the few places where a new queue may be a good reason to visit. You know, he had a new queue to any other ride who cares, but with a new queue for Haunted Mansion, that's that, that made the news, you know? Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Don, do you have any final thoughts? It's been quite a show, hasn't it? Been a great show, you know. Real enjoyable having Rick Pastorbon to talk to us about uh, his career, his book coming up. Uh, be sure to pre-order that book; it's it's going to be fantastic. Link he mentioned lots of pictures. That's right. He mentioned a lot of pictures. Uh, I, and as I mentioned when we were talking with Rick, that's very important. I think when you're you're having a, a book trying to tell the story of different things, especially what he's involved with in creating all these uh, attractions in the industry, you know, I, I'm looking forward to looking at all those pictures as well too. I completely agree. I, I pre-ordered it. The, I saw it on uh, Dennis Spiegel's thing, the ICPS newsletter, and I pre-ordered it before I even sent it to you <laughs> because I wanted to make sure the pre-orders didn't dry out because I think what Rick does is so cool, but awesome. All right. So uh, if you guys are made it to the end, then awesome. Congratulations. Make sure you tweeted us at attractions underscore GRP. Once again, Don pinned a tweet at the top where you can ask us questions. He says no one and nothing is off limits, but they also said that in Halloween Haunt 2008, and <laughs> I couldn't bring my dog, you know. Um, uh, follow us on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever, and uh, watch our video on YouTube. Okay, awesome. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.